Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Yo, 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 yo. What's up, y'all? I'm back. It's been a while. Let me explain. Okay. If you don't know, this is Hood Politics. My name is Propaganda. This is Hood Politics with Prop. Here's where I've been. I've been writing a book, been finishing an album, and it's a global pandemic. So attempting to parent during all of these things while at the same time producing content. And if you know The Red Couch, the sister podcast of this, that this podcast grew out of, is currently in season. So for my own health and workload, uh, I put this aside for a second. If you don't know what this is, built on the idea that if you understood gang life or survived eighth grade, you understand geopolitics because after all politics is just gang banging in nice suits. Also, the second thing that's been going on with her politics is we are in negotiations with a much larger network. So that's super exciting, which means that like, we'll be bringing this thing coming at you smoking hot all the time. Uh, probably weekly, very soon, you know. Uh, I just needed to make sure that, you know, the bag was secured, as I taught y'all, and that, you know, I can not just secure the bag for myself, but pay my dog Matt Awasowski, still can't pronounce his name, to score and mix and master. You know, it's a lot that goes into making podcasts. Anyway, no guests today. Moving forward, there probably will only be guests a few times, but most likely it'll be more just like me just giving y'all the business about a certain topic. So, y'all ready to dive in? Here we go. Ether. Ether. 
So anybody been around hip hop for a while in the early 2000s, you understand that ether has become a verb. I think I may have speak, spoken of this before, uh, where it is an action of what you do. Well, ether has an origin. And the origin is ether is a song by Nas. Do your Googles. If he's not in your top five, I, I, I don't think you really love hip hop. And ether actually was a diss track. Now, there's a long history in hip hop of a diss track, right? It's a song that's specifically a diss towards a certain person, crew, coast, whatever the case may be. And you, 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 you start making those when y'all start beefing. It came out of the longer history of battle rapping. Um, which also came out of a longer history of the sound clash, you know, and the sound clash actually goes all the way back to Jamaica, but I'm going too far right now. This is too hip hop nerdery. Nas was dissing Jay-Z. Jay-Z, Hove, as y'all may know him, you know, Bay and Jay, y'all know the, the, the final version of Jay-Z. The younger Jay-Z was one of many New York rappers who put out some classic records and obviously changed hip hop as we know it and aged very well. But anyway, Nas was dissing Jay-Z. There was a time that them two beefed and Jay had put out a number of tracks, a number, well, first of all, it was a verse and this is a verse from the song called Takeover. And it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty raw. Like he, he, he kind of, he came at Nas tough. Knowing how hip hop works, like, the importance of being the king of New York is just like, because that's where hip hop sort of, not sort of, that's where hip hop originated from. Like being the king of New York was something very important as an MC. You had to be the king of New York. And really the king of New York for a long time was Biggie, right? Uh, and then after Biggie passed, there was almost like a mad scramble for the top of the food chain. And the... As far as the lyricists were concerned, it was always, always belonged to Nas. Only Nas had a string of duds in his albums. There's a few albums that were just terrible. But his first record, Illmatic, was so good that it overshadowed the duds that he had after that. Anyway, we could argue, and we do all the time, Ether was probably the greatest diss track of all time. It The greatest haymaker anyone has ever thrown because you have to remember Nas was playing from behind. Jay-Z was becoming, like I said, he was poised to be the top of the food chain. As far as lyricists were concerned, people that just liked underground hip hop, it belonged to Nas. Jay-Z was a commercial rapper, right? But as far as the public was concerned, Jay was the top of the food chain. To take a shot at him was very brave, right? But in the, in the, in the heart and soul of hip hop, anyone can get it. When you battling, anyone can get it. So we like to say that Nas threw the greatest haymaker of all time. People still argue who won that bot battle, Jay or Nas. I like to say it like this. Nas won the battle, but Jay won the war because Jay went on to become the hove that we all know of, right? And Nas, I'll be honest with you, it's hard to admit this as like a hip hop guy, but like he didn't age as well as Jay. Um, as far as making music style growth and stuff like that. Uh, but he's, this is not to take anything away from Nas. Eventually they've squashed it, moved on, everything's fine. But since then, ether became a verb for when 
you honestly take somebody out with like a really powerful diss, a powerful, some bars, right? So battle, making diss tracks is a part of the bigger culture of battle rapping, right? In hip hop. More recent examples of this is the Drake and Meek Mill battle. You know, you know the back-to-back -back songs and Meek kind of like stumbling. <laughs> I mean, he fumbled bad his response. But uh, again, everything works out. Everybody starts you know, making records. There was one that was pretty funny, like the J. Cole and the Cannabis one. Cannabis is like a legendary battle rapper, but that's all he does. He came at Cole, which was like, I don't know, I don't know why you're doing, why you're coming at Cole. Like, it's not, it's not the move. But battle rapping wasn't always just making diss tracks. It's usually a head-to-head -head thing. That's the history where it's like head-to-head, -head, you, you guys just kind of like, you know, you 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 trade bars. Even know what bars are, they're just rap lines or couplets, if you will. It's you know, it's a music measure. We just call them bars. The the best example I think some of y'all may know of is like sort of the URL, the Grind Times, or of course the movie Eight Mile. You know, with this Eminem, you know, of course you can't stand it making a ham sandwich up the damn cabinet, right? You know, be rabbit. You know what I'm saying? Lose yourself, right? You know, so that scene in underground when it's like a crowd of people and you you're supposed to rap off the head. You know, meaning you're supposed to freestyle. You don't really get to research the person you're battling because it's more like a tournament. You know, you whoever signs up, and that's the culture I came from. You get there, everybody signs up, and it's like single elimination. You get 30 seconds. The DJ throws on a beat. You guys have to rap on the same beat. And you got to come up with the bars right there to serve that fool, right? And it's equal parts style and finesse and, and punchlines. And, you know, the punchlines are like the knockout punches, the part that makes the crowd go, oh! But it can't just be punchlines. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to have some style and finesse. You got to still be rapping. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to rhyme. It's got to be on beat. You got to be clever. It's the crowd engagement. You know, but it can't be so styled that there's no punchlines. And then it's like, he just rapped a verse. That's not interesting. So there's really an art form to it, right? And some of the strategies you would do is you would get your whole crew on the stage, you know, to like, hype you up, gas you up. You know, you have people in the audience. It, you know, it's kind of like the home court advantage thing. Like if you got a whole crew behind you, a lot of times they cheerleading, you know, and anytime you say some of the silliest bar, even if it's not that hard, but if you got a whole crew of people being like, oh, that's the hardest shit I ever heard, right? Then you just create this frenzy. Even if you're not that much better, you still create this frenzy. Now, the new style of battle rapping is a little different. These young dudes, like, I, I like to call myself, like, I'm like an OS1. I'm like an iPhone 1 battle rapper. These dudes are like, you know, the iPhone 12s. They just, they just move different. They get, it's three minutes around. You get three rounds. And these dudes have had two months to research each other. And there's like actual money involved. Like, you could have a career, you feel me, being a battle rapper. You just write these three-minute verses about this person who are all in this, like, league, if you will. And you get to know these people's track records and history and stuff like that. And then people, you sell tickets to come see it. For us, it was street corners or just weekly events. You rapping in front of the same people every time. You know what I'm saying? Except for whoever else might show up. So this is totally different. So you get to do your research. You're doing homework. 
So if you get to research, do homework, you memorizing these raps, you got to come with it. You got to be fumbling no verses. And you had three weeks to plan these things. Your little knockout punches better be hard, but you got to have strategy. You can't bring out all your big guns in the first round. But at the same time, you got to establish who's boss in the first round. You got to try to win the crowd over. You, you should have your crew there, right? Who's already on your side. You feel me? And then that's how you win the battle. Now, there's sort of a trope among hip hop and it's battle rappers usually can't write songs. The greatest example of that is Cannabis. He just, he can't write a song. You, you don't, they don't make hits. Battle rappers don't make hits. That will, that's what was so unique about the Jay and Nas and even the, the uh, Drake and Meek Mill battle is like, well, these guys write songs. Like they make, they make hits for them to come down and just like, I hate, I hate to say come down. I don't mean like condescend, but I mean to like come to this part of hip hop to where you just writing diss tracks for each other is like, dang, okay, these boys got bars. That's dope. You know what I mean? That's why as much as I want to dismiss Drake um, as a meme of himself, when it comes down to like the boy got bars, the boy can write, you know, and I'm sorry, man, stuff is catchy. Anyway, the consensus is they don't write songs. So just because you want to battle doesn't necessarily mean you're the better artist. The opposite is also true. Just because you lost the battle doesn't mean you're the worst artist. Because there's a lot of ways to approach this. So a battle doesn't necessarily settle. It's almost like in basketball. You play one-on-one with somebody, that don't mean you're the better player because basketball is a team sport. You know, there's a lot of different things that go into being able to play basketball. Just because somebody beats you one-on-one don't mean they're the better ball player. You should be asking, what the hell am I talking about? And remember, this is about politics. I am talking about running campaigns (laughs) y'all we are in the throes there's only a few weeks left of the 2020 presidential election now before we go further let me say this about an election i think it's important to remember at the end of the day when you cast your vote most of y'all probably have already voted because that's just the statistics of america But, but but if you haven't cast your vote just yet here's the thing i want you to think about i know when i went when i got my ballot one thing that I thought that was very interesting and telling was that the presidential election, like the voting, the vote to cast for the the ballot for the president was the last one on page six. So for six other pages, there were all kinds of other things. There was California propositions. There were local elections, there's city elections, there's state elections, there's Congress, there's district, all kinds of other things that actually affect me directly. So as much attention that we in the culture, the media, whatever the case may be, give to the the one big one, understand there are so many other ways to affect change. There's so many other things to vote on. So I just thought it was very telling and a beautiful metaphor for the type of importance that you really need to place on the totality of your ballot and not just the last dot on the last page. Having said that, let's get into it. (laughs) 
we are at the battle rap stage. You got to start throwing disses. First of all, it starts off with, let me just make my case as to why I'm your dude. That's that's them dropping their albums. They dropping their mixtapes. I'm the guy. And then the other guy's dropping mixtapes. I'm the guy. No, I'm the guy. No, I'm the guy. But somebody got to be the king of the dot. And sometimes in hip-hop, that plays along lines of the coast. Who's the king of the West? Well, I mean, it's easy. It's Kendrick Lamar. I don't understand why anybody else would ask any other question. Who's the king of New York? I don't know. That's not where culture's at right now. You, I mean, that that could, actually, the king of New York could go to anybody. Is Aesop Mob, whatever, right? I don't know. We've sent, the West has sent their champion. Maybe New York's not the one we're talking about. Actually, you know, hip-hop's in the South right now. It's, I mean, is it coming out of Atlanta? Is it coming out of Houston? One could argue the king of New York right now is Cardi B. You feel me? <laughs> one could argue the king of the South right now is Megan Thee Stallion. You understand what I'm talking about? You got to send your champion. But when you send your champion... Your champion got to be prepared for whatever this is the other people going to say. So you bring your bar. Now, just like with most of hip hop, at the end of a battle, it's fine. We're all friends. You know, Drake and Meek have done songs together. Jay and Nas, you know, they've done songs together. They've worked together. Even the versus battles on Instagram through this quarantine, they're not really battles. They're just bringing their hits and ultimately the culture wins. Like there's no real winners and losers in that situation. I don't know if you saw the Brandy and Monica one. I mean, look, dude, who won was us. We just got our groove on during that time. Then they did the DMX and and and, and Snoop. Listen. I'm going to say Snoop won that. But the, the winner was the culture. There Early on, there was Little John and T-Pain. You're just playing hits. The winner is the culture, right? Ultimately, that's what it's supposed to be. The winner's the culture. So when you think about presidential elections, the winner should be the culture, right? That's just not where we are right now. This on some Biggie Tupac. Somebody might die out this mug. <laughs> This what ain't the same, right? So when you walk into what we set up presidential debates as they're supposed to be, the winner is supposed to be us. You bring your champion, you bring your best bars. Maybe you maybe you throw in ETH, maybe you throw in, you know, haymakers at the opponent, the opponent throwing haymakers back. But at the end of the day, the winner's the culture, right? But that's if you understand how this is supposed to go. Clearly, that's not where we are right now. Right now, fools is getting personal. One of the things in hip-hop culture, too, and, and especially with battling, you're supposed to be able to let this person say the worst things about you, and you can't get out your skin. You can't get out your comfort. You got to be able to handle it. You can't get violent. You can't, you can't take that stuff personal. You got to be able to just take it on the chin and not let this person rap. You got to let them get their bars off. You got to be okay because it's fine. Once they get their bars off, you get your bars off. And whoever got the best bars went, right? You can't be interrupting fools. That's not how it works. Clearly, that's not where we are. Right now, we're in the season that people like to call the October surprise. And if you remember it back in 2016, the October surprise, it was two October surprises, which was, again, these were these were the greatest haymakers. These were the diss tracks. You're supposed to be able to take them, 
and punch back. The October surprise for Trump was the Access Hollywood tapes. This was the haymaker. You, this supposed to take you out, right? And it was a punch, boy. However, the punch back towards, you know, Miss Hillary Clinton was her email. Whether one was worse than the other, it doesn't matter. You got to get the crowd involved. And if you ask me, Trump got the crowd involved via Russia. <laughs> that boy, that boy has some goons in the audience. You feel me? He had some people, some cheerleaders that was like, yo, did you see that? That was crazy. You see them emails? If you get the crowd involved, it don't matter. Right? Because some of y'all might be thinking logical. Like, I don't, it just, I mean, I don't understand what these emails prove. Right? Matter of fact, if you remember, the homie Comey came back and was like, yeah, the emails didn't really prove much. It's just, you know, I mean, it wasn't really a thing. Too late. Crowd already over. A whole crowd like, oh! Hillary couldn't get no bars off. This the season we in now. We saw the first battle. The first battle was the first presidential uh, debate, and it was chaos. Fools couldn't get their bars off. Joe trying to get his bars off. That, that, that boy Trump, had a, he had a plan. The plan was to get that fool flustered. And I know battle rappers like that. They plan is just to get him flustered. You, you, you troll the guy. In a lot of ways, Drake kind of did that to Meek for a little bit. He was dropping merch, you know what I'm saying? You know, charged up merch, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, he was sending the trolls out to like, out to, uh, out to Meek's like events, you know what I'm saying? Stopping him from coming into Toronto. Like you get everybody charged up, you feel me? <laughs> Joe couldn't get no bars off. But in this situation, the loser's the culture. Like we lost. But at the same time, when you see somebody out of pocket, especially at a battle, you like, man, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like you didn't let the other dude rap. So I don't know if you won this mug. You just kept like shouting over it. You feel me? So like maybe you didn't. Maybe you ain't got no bars. Like why are you being so loud? You just let the man get his bars off. You get your bars off. So now we have our version of October surprises. It's going down. The October surprise towards Trump was his $750 in taxes. The man paid $750 in taxes. And then when they asked him again, it was like, yo, you, that's it? He was like, nah, that's not true. Then they pressed him a little more. <laughs> and I was like, yo, what's up with this $400 million you owe? Who you owe that to? What's up with that? He's like, that ain't true. They was like, yo, $400 million. Look, man, I'm looking at your, I'm looking at the papers right now. What's up with this $400 million? Who you owe this to? He was like, yo, no, no, you know what? It's really not that much, man. It's, it's, it's secured. So this was him trying to defend himself from these bars, right? From this October. Yeah, it's, it's all good. It's like, man, who do you owe this to? Answer the question. Who you owe this to? Now, me and you, if you've been following the hood, if you know the hood rules, he owed that money to the big homies. <laughs> Big homies who put him on. Somebody fronted him to work and he got to pay it back. I got my guesses as to who fronted him to work. I think you got your guesses as to who fronted him to work. Because if politics is just gangbanging in nice suits, homie, you know who fronted him to work was the Kremlin, cuz. <laughs> 
Nigga, that nigga owe $400 million to Russia, my nigga. Now, this is all speculation. I don't know. But my antennas are telling me I kind of maybe know who this nigga owe this money to. Because you can't be talking trash towards people you owe money to. My grandmama used to say, as long as somebody owe you money, you never broke. Because <laughs> every dollar Trump made belong to Russia. <laughs> maybe. So that's the October surprise. Now, the October surprise towards Biden was supposed to be this laptop, these text messages. And now, now remember, Trump started a long time ago with, with going after Hunter and Burisma and this oil company out there that's hella crooked. Let me back y'all up for a little bit. Hunter Biden, while Joe Biden was vice president, got this job with this company in the Ukraine called Burisma. Now, Ukraine is notoriously crooked. Right. Remember, when you're dealing with goons, whether it's Russia or Ukraine, every they all gangsters. So there's really no there's no good guys in this scenario. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody good in this. Everybody hands dirty. Right. So Burisma's got an inside person inside of the Ukrainian government. Right. To make sure that just like the mob here to make sure that all their contracts go through with no hitch. Right. That's just how it worked over there. Supposedly, now we all know this stuff. Supposedly, Biden get wind of all this. He hits these fools up and he's going, yo, what's up with all this? Look, man, y'all asking for aid from us. But like, big homie, you got this like prosecutor. You got all this like this. Your company crooked. You got this prosecutor that's clearly on the pay. Like, y'all got to get rid of this dude or we not sending y'all money. Ukraine, like, man, you can't tell us what to do because he's like, okay, cool. Well, you know, we'll do whatever you want. We just not sending you this money. They was like, well, secure the bag. Lo and behold, they got rid of this prosecutor. Prosecutor gets out. Ukraine dude goes telling Trump, yo, we only got rid of that dude because Biden told us to. But you know what? That dude was finna prosecute uh, Hunter Biden and his whole company for all the stuff he doing. So I think... Biden held this money up because we was finna go get his son. Don't don't it sound like gangbanging? So Trump was like, yo, hold up. That's why, that's why y'all got it. Wait, hold up. How come nobody's investigating this? That sounds crooked as hell. Right? Now, this is why this is advantageous to Trump, is because Trump had the wherewithal to understand that eventually Biden's probably gonna be. The candidate coming up. So I need to make sure that this dude got some dirt on him. Y'all know he's shady. Hey, you know, man ain't no man ain't no angel. I know I ain't no saint, but neither is this nigga. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what he was trying to do right there. This, this nigga ain't no saint either. Look at his old crackhead son, is basically what he's trying to say. Crooked as everybody else, right? So that's so you so you so you gotta back up from there. There's zero evidence that the reason Joe Biden held this money up to get this prosecutor removed was because he was about to prosecute his son that's there's no evidence of that right that's speculation i don't know maybe they all gangsters the point is we don't know that and we can't prove it matter of fact what we can prove is that the whole system is corrupt 
right? Now, whether Joe knew that or not, or Joe had anything to do with that corruption, you, I mean, you, we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you, we can only speak, we just know my antennas, I'm be real with y'all, my antennas is like, I mean, I mean, Joe ain't no saint. You feel me? There's probably something in there, but it don't rise to high crimes and treason, just like Trump owing the Kremlin $400 million before he was the president. Don't raise the high crimes and treason. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just, you made a deal. Y'all was moving money. This is what happened. Fast forward to now, Rudy Giuliani <laughs> gets a hold of this laptop. You understand what I'm saying? And releases the content of this laptop that is supposed to be this spoken gun that says, yo, Biden knew about all this stuff and was involved with his crackhead son, right? Doing a lot of these shady work. So all this stuff uh, that we knew that we were trying to tell y'all during Trump's impeachment, that's like, why y'all worried about me? This fool's the one doing the actual crimes. According to Rudy Giuliani, this laptop post to prove all that. But we saw the content of the laptop. And the content of the laptop that we've seen so far is these text messages between Joe and his son. And if you read these messages, it just, it's a loving father <laughs> while his son is in the depths of his depression about getting caught up in some shit he wasn't able to handle, right? Mainly being strung out on cocaine and him saying, yo, I know I might be messing up your, your chances with election, man. I'm sorry. I'm such a fuck up, man. And, and his daddy being like, son, I love you. I need you. Only don't worry about me, man. You worry about getting clean. You worry about rehab. That's all that it's about for you. It's just these messages of this loving father. So I'm thinking this. If you making a diss track about Joe Biden, of all the things you could say. Hell, call him boring. Call him khaki. Call him, call him Joe Baraka. You understand what I'm saying? Like say that you ain't nothing but you ain't nothing but like like a JV Obama. That like there's so many things you could say about him. You ain't got no plans, homie. Matter of fact, you was the last choice of your party. Your party wanted Bernie, cuz your party wanted Elizabeth Warren. You feel me? You had to get this black lady on your team because ain't nobody want you. You're, there's so many things you could say about Joe. But the thing you chose, the bars you went with is he's a loving father of a son who had a drug problem and he ain't kick him to the curb. I saw a tweet yesterday of these like clearly professional pictures of Joe hugging Hunter and kissing him on the head, right? And they're like, yo, does that look appropriate? And I'm like, nigga, yes. It looked like a daddy who love is. I'm like, this is your, di these are the bars you coming with? Like, you gotta come with bars, cuz? Like, I don't understand. Why, how is this, how is this what you coming with? Now, flip the tables. Joe, get your bars off, cuz. I don't understand why you can't get your bars off. And it's really not that hard. In a lot of ways, all you got to do is just repeat what Trump says. That's all you got to do. I saw a speech with Barack Obama in Philadelphia. 
Barack getting his bars off. He like, yo, a pandemic would be hard for everybody. Don't get me wrong. Anybody who was a president, this would be hard for y'all. He was like, Korea found their first case the same day America did. Korea only got 1% of the deaths we got per capita. Fam, you fail it. Like, that's a bar. He was like, I don't understand what Trump talking about with jobs. We was on an incline the whole time. Fam, I brought back the car companies. What are you talking about? You here for, for American manufacturing. I brought back the car companies. I handed you a great economy. Barack was like, fam, you finna be the first president since Herbert Hoover, my nigga, to not increase jobs. You you gonna have a you gonna be the first president since Herbert Hoover, my nigga. When did Herbert Hoover president? Exactly. That's what he's trying to say. Those are bars. Now, whether they true or not, whether you can, it depends on how you bend the, the statistics. But the point is, there's so many receipts you could pull out and be like, fam, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest bars Obama got off was like, yo, this isn't a reality show, it's reality. And we have all suffered from President Trump not taking this job serious. Oh, it's like, yo, you could tweet from your bed and watch Fox News if you want to. He's like, I'm not finna do that. Another bar Trump tried to get off was if Joe Biden gets elected, he's gonna listen to scientists. What? Wait, that's a diss? Bro, that's not a fam, that's not a diss. That's that's not a diss, fool. Like, what, nigga? Yes. Yes, he gonna listen. Yes, there's experts. He gonna listen to it. Come on, fam. There's so many things you can say about Joe Biden. Like, work, come on, man. Get your bars off. Here's my thoughts. My thought is, I think he's just counting on his crew. Trump is counting on his crew to start being in the crowd going, oh, did you see that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? You know how I know? Because Iran just sent thousands and thousands and thousands of emails to anybody signed up as a registered Democrat. And the email said, yo, we're right wing Republicans. And if you vote Democrat, we will come find you. Here's your name and address. Iran did it. It was like they got he got a squad. Trump got Trump got cheerleaders. He got a squad out there. He counting on his squad. He's like, I don't have to have bars because the little the little bit I got get amplified by the people in the room. You feel me? I got this. I got this loyal following that even if my bars is weak, it don't matter. My following hypes me up. <laughs> he counting on it. I mean, we'll see. And he's such a boss, he got the GOP scared. Now, here's, here's my last prediction. It's funny how people that were like diehard Meek fans really started wavering when Drake was throwing them bones. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, me cool, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I don't know. I ain't never really ride with anything anyway. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, I have this feeling about the GOP because this is how it always works. When a boss gets taken out, 
The question is, do you go down with the boss or do you try to figure out who finna be the next boss and get yourself nice and cozy to keep yourself safe? My thoughts is the latter. I'm thinking if old Trumpy Trump loses, these fools finna come out the woodworks talking about, you know, Loki, I really never really roll with him anyway. I mean, I'm just thinking, man, like, you know what? Just let me be around. I'm going to be a check on Joe, but yeah, let's let's get the party back to center, back to where we wanted it to be. I never really rolled with Trump anyway. Like what? All of a sudden, you wasn't really feeling him. That's that's what's happening right now. All of a sudden, I think that's what's gonna happen. I mean, Mark, I, look, look. I know gang banging, and I know what happens when the boss gets go gets taken out. You either go down with the boss, and you never get seen again, or you adjust. <laughs> to secure your own position you tell me anyway so i just thought i'd give y'all this special episode uh this is me propaganda for hood politics with prop episode was scored mixed and mastered by your boy matt i was always i was sowski i was i still can't say his name and our twitter we got a twitter now is uh hood politics pod uh you can follow us on twitter um follow me prop hip-hop on all the things and uh, our theme music is by the one and only DJ Sean P. We'll see y'all next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.